Press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to take spin. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got nom? They option now. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. Drama. Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life in, in New, New York, York City. City. I'm Connor McDowell. And I'm Dylan McDowell. And I want to just say in advance that if you hear any puppies crying in the background, this is an update to my dose of drama from a couple of weeks ago. We finally got a dog and she is having some separation anxiety because she's obsessed with us, which I love. Oh, you're obsessed. Literally every like hour and we're in the same house. You'll text me and you'll be like, I'm obsessed with Gigi. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Dylan, I'm in the next room. Like, come <laughs> tell well, me. Our, our last dogs were obsessed with our parents. Right, and right, right. I would get so sad. I'd come back from a trip from New York and they wouldn't even come and greet me at the door. Didn't care if we lived or died. No, not at all. And now Gigi is obsessed and that makes me so happy. Yeah, it was, it, it was, an, it was a journey. Uh-huh. But we made it happen. We lined up. It was like waiting to get rush tickets to a show on Broadway. Literally, we, we woke up at the crack of dawn, mm-hmm. lined up at like seven in the morning. As we're pulling in to adopt this puppy, another man was getting out of his car at the same moment. It was crazy. It was Well, we were told there was going to be 50 to 60 people lining up for this five rescued dogs from a kill shelter in Georgia. And so we're like, well, we've, we've rushed Broadway shows before. We know you got to get up early. So we it was like, do it. It was like the rush line to see the original cast of Rent in mm. the heyday of, yeah. you know, you know, that, that wasn't that like revolutionary in starting rush tickets or yeah, it lottery? was the start. It was the start. Yeah. I believe they ah, did both, but yeah. History. Oh my God. So we've got her and there was the guy in front of us was what I like to call a mean nerd. <laughs> Don't be or rude. as our friend or as our friend would call an academic bully. He yeah. was like a know-it-all. He was just, he, he, and we were like, do you want the same dog as us? And he's like, I don't know. I want this one or this one. And we're like, well, tell us now. So we won't wait three hours. He wouldn't was, tell us. It was, it was really, we could we got our it. girl. We got our girl. He was not a girl's girl. No, he wasn't. But we got, we got Gigi, short for Georgia, which I'll talk about the naming process maybe later in the episode, but. Oh, I love it. Southern, we've had a Southern, we had a Southern belle in the house, which is a we do. perfect segue. Mm-hmm. About a piece of content we were we've been consuming in honor of our guest today. Shall I, I bring Shall I bring him in? I think it's time. It's time. There are other things I was going to like say to you, but I'll save it for later because yeah, I'm yeah, too excited. All right, yeah. here we go. Our guest today is the definition of leading man. Having made his Broadway debut in Phantom of the Opera, he starred in eleven shows and counting on the Great Bright Way before stepping onto the biggest stages in the world. He graduated from Duke University on a music and pre-med track. Instead of becoming a surgeon, he originated some of the most memorable roles on Broadway in Les Mis, The Last Ship, A Tale of Two Cities, and starred as Count Carl Magnus Malcolm in the singular revival of Stephen Sondheim's A Little Night Music. He appeared in the world premiere of Impressionism, A New Brain with Jonathan Groff, who we love, The Light in the Piazza at Lincoln Center, and live from Lincoln Center on PBS, company with Neil Patrick Harris, Patti Lapone, and Stephen Colbert, and most recently, the first national tour of Dear Evan Hansen as Larry Murphy. You'll recognize him from Avengers, Infinity War, and Endgame, which we'll get into. The Wolf of Wall Street. This is where I leave you. Jay Edgar, Quantico, Blue Bloods, The Good Wife, The Following, and more. His new album, Broadway Lullabies, is in production 
and he currently plays Reverend Paul Luke Thomas opposite the icon Kim Cattrall on Fox's highly anticipated new show, Filthy Rich. Please welcome to drama, Aaron Lazar. Hi, guys. That was amazing. <laughs> you, you've done such amazing things, Aaron. We're thrilled to have you. <clears throat> well, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here, and it's... You, you forget, I forget, like, when you guys lay it, when you guys lay out the, uh, the career there, and I go, oh, yeah, that was fun, that was fun, that was fun, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's been, I've, I've, I've been very blessed. It's been, it's been an exciting career. You've all, you're always working. You're one of those people who just, you are clearly a nice guy, so people want to work with you over and over again. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, it, it, I also have uh, children. And mm-hmm. must provide for these little humans. So uh, work, <laughs> work is good. We like work. You know, we got to ask you, you, you're outside. It's like a sunny day. You're on the West Coast, I believe. Um, I'm just curious, are you well? Are you doing well today? Oh, thanks for asking. Yeah. Um, when I first started, I live in Los Angeles. When I first started coming out to LA, having, you know, been living in New York at the time for, you know, who knows? I think I, I, think I was in New York. I was born in... Cherry Hill, New Jersey, East Coast guy, college on the East Coast, uh, grad school closer to, to where you guys are right now. I think you're in, you're in Cleveland right now. Yeah. Um, I went to grad school in Cincinnati, mm. uh, but then back to New York, East Coast for like another 15 years. And then, you know, London, whatever. And you get to LA and the sun is out all the time. And I remember when I used to first, when I was first here, I used to think, man, you can't have a bad day in LA like no no matter how bad the business gets like how tough showbiz can be the sun's always shining and there's always the beach there's always there's always that so the honeymoon uh phase of loving Los Angeles I'm proud to say it'll be five years that I've been here uh this Christmas Congrats. Um, thank you and yeah now that the fire smoke has mm. made it less of a Beijing environment um yeah. It was beautiful here today. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So is this the longest stretch of time you've actually been sitting still in LA too since COVID hit? Yeah, that's a really good question because I was on the road for about 18 months with Evan Hansen and then Filthy Rich leading up to January. And then, um, and that was like, I think I did 34 cities in 12 countries Uh <laughs> In, in that 18 months. So it was a lot of travel. Like every two weeks I was on a plane. Um, if not traveling for work, traveling back to see my kids. Yeah. Um, and it was an amazing experience. But then I was really happy to just get back to L.A., be here with my children. And then coronavirus happened and there was no going anywhere anyway. So <laughs> I'm one of the people who's like, it's fine. I'm happy to mm-hmm. be home. Yeah, yes. I totally get that. We, we feel the same way. We haven't been at home in our 20s at all from New York. And so it's nice to just like get this borrowed time back with our family. My boyfriend goes to college in Ohio. So it's just been, there's, if there are any silver linings, it's the, the family time that's been able to happen. But yeah, did you guys, uh, as brothers, did you guys live together in New York or no? We did. We did. We did. Mm-hmm. Wow. Dylan was there for a year before me, but then we were roommates the whole time. And we both work in theater. So it was nice to have like, it, it almost, it's, it's nice that we had our own things, but we had mutual friends. We'd see each other at different things. You know, it was great. It was great. 
That's cool. I didn't know if like moving back to be with the folks, you know, during pandemic was like a, oh my God, I'm going to be living with my brother again for the first time. And- <laughs> oh no. Yeah. It's more so that I live in my parents' basement that I fulfilled that prophecy, <laughs> but all is good. All is good. We'll be back to New York as soon as, as soon as theater is back. As soon as I have yeah. a job again. Imagine that. <laughs> Amen. Okay. So you mentioned you were on the road for a long time. And of course you were in New Orleans, which the big easy. We've always wanted to get the down big there. easy. Um, I need to know we are, we love filthy rich. We love Kim Cattrall. We watched all, we binged all the episodes with our mom. Um, cause we, we lo- we're, we're binge era people. You know, you can't just do one. You want to like watch it all in a row, which is kind of, mm, I don't know. I have thoughts on it. Cause then you sometimes don't remember everything as opposed to waiting week to week, but this show works well in a bingeable format and I need more. Right. Yeah, so you guys are binging it on Hulu, I guess. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. It's fun that Hulu put uh, put the first three out because episode three on Fox, I think, comes out Monday. Um, oh, yeah, super bingey, right? Like people are loving the show. I'm so glad you guys like it. I'm glad you got mom watching. You got to get dad oh, yeah. watching. Um, I know we yeah. got to get him. We got to get him. Tell dad <laughs> that Reverend Paul says you got to watch the show, Dad. Um, <laughs> But yeah, people are, it's like (laughs) people just, it's so wild. There's so many plot twists. It's so fun. It's such an escape that, you know, with everything going on in the world, it's nice that there's a show and that can give people something just like, they don't have to think and you can just have so much fun. And Kim's Mm -hmm. fantastic. She's fantastic. And she's, you know, the fashion, the wigs, it's all great. And the whole cast is great. And there's some theater favorites in there too. I mean, you with yeah. Corey Cod, Rachel York. It's great. Annie Golden. Annie Golden. Annie Golden, man. Yeah. Annie was my first like theater surprise of the cast when I, I got that, you know, I was the last person to be cast. And so I showed up on set and it was like pretty much like show up and start shooting like right in, just right into the deep end. And Annie was there and I was like, oh my God, that's Annie Golden. I've seen her in so many things and I'm such a big fan. And I was like, Annie, what are you doing here? And she's like, oh, I'm going to play this cool Bayou Swamp Lady with like this whole <laughs> thing. And I was like, yes, this is so perfect. And then I was like, Annie, will you hang out with me? And she's like, yeah. And we went on this like swamp tour in New Orleans uh, and saw like, you know, 15, 20 foot gators on an airboat. Just me and Annie Golden. So I was, I was living the dream. That's I like the pilot for that because that's an, that's a dynamic duo like buddy comedy. <laughs> that reminds me of um, I remember hearing a story when Tiffany Haddish was filming Girls Trip in New Orleans. She and Jada Pinkett Smith, I think Will, they got a Groupon and went on one of those swamp tours. And she tells this hysterical story. I think it was on like Jimmy Kimmel Live or something about just the whole experience. But um, that sounds so fun. Do you mind explaining? what Filthy Rich is about to our listeners. Absolutely. Uh, although really quick, oh, I haven't heard that story that, that Jada tells. Those swamp tours are no joke. And if you're in New Orleans, you have to go because the, the, the good companies, like the really good ones, and we had an in because our costume designer, Carol Cutshaw, um, knows some folks who run one of these companies and they are like legit swamp people in New Orleans, like people that live in the swamps in New Orleans, they know the swamps like, you know, our backyards growing up, like yeah. you're in this airboat and these, these guys take you around for an hour and the gators are no joke. And then like you see, if you guys ever saw the princess bride, 
Oh yeah, of course. And yes. there's the R, there's the ROUSs and the you know the, mm-hmm. the roads of unusual size or whatever in the, in yeah. the forest. There are these swamp rats that, like that are no joke. They're like the size of beavers. I forget what they're called, but it's like oh, no. what? Oh no! What is that? Like it's like you feel like you're in. You feel like you're in like a movie. It's crazy. Um, but anyway, filthy rich, filthy rich. Um, <laughs> so yeah, filthy rich is uh, it is just this really fun soapy. New Orleans drama about Kim Cattrall and and her character Margaret Monroe, who inherits this billion dollar Christian network that she and her husband had established that he was sort of the the mastermind of until you know his private jet goes down in episode one and she now has to manage a billion dollar television network with her children. And then finds out very quickly that she has more children than she realized because her husband was not faithful. Um, and I play the minister of this network who's sort of this ambitious um, Christian music artist preacher who has his own ideas for how this network should be run and who should have power. And it's super, super soapy and super fun. It's, it's, it's so good. fun. I'm a huge fan. I think, I think that um, what I really love about it is how big the cast is. There's so many different dynamics between characters. The twists come out of nowhere. I mean, it's truly great. And I think that we we're missing out on some of the more fun dramas these days. Like, especially this year, I really want to just be entertained. And I think that's what it's doing. And the acting's great. Oh my God. Kim, she makes choices. She makes choices, you know? I mean, I think it's in episode three when she's having an interview with the character of Ginger on her show. And there's sort of like this sequence that I don't want to spoil for anybody, but it's basically the camera is just on her the entire time. She is phenomenal. She's so good. I mean, and Aaron, you are fantastic as well. Although I don't trust your character. Um, Although there's never a reverend I've trusted, to be honest with you. Um, Oh my god! Uh, but you do a fantastic job. What you mentioned, you were cast last in the process. I did read that you replaced someone from the pilots, and they had to reshoot it or reshoot scenes. Is that true? Yeah, the, the role was actually recast twice. Um, oh wow! So a pilot was shot, and and then um, and then the role was recast, and then it was recast again, and that's when I got I got cast. And uh, yeah, you know, we they were. It was like. I think I was in, I was with Dear Evan Hansen, left at like on a Thursday or Friday to go to New Orleans, do some press photo shoots and stuff, flew back to Evan Hansen and did the five show weekend. And then Sunday night was on a plane and started shooting Monday morning. And it was, and it was, uh, it was like, you know, meeting everybody who had, like you said, it's a big cast. It's an ensemble show, you know, with Kim at the helm and, uh, I just sort of, it was like hopping onto a, a treadmill at like, you know, speed 15 and just trying to like, just like keep pace with everybody and, and also find my way into this character who I was trying to figure out. And, and like you said, I mean, the plot twists are crazy. I, I read some really fun um, synopsis of the show that's sort of going viral right now where I forget who wrote it, but they were like, there's more plot twists in the pilot than like an entire season of television on any other show. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. It's just so, so fun. Um, Yeah, I loved it, man. I loved, I loved every minute of it. 
and it's the whole thing is in the can, right? You finished it before COVID hit. Season one, yeah, season one wow. is in the can, yeah. How lucky! That's I feel like shows usually film like the summer prior, and then it starts coming out, and they film through like Christmas time, and then the rest of it comes out or something. But this is great, and I hope you get a season two already. I mean, when you see a good pilot, you're always like, this is going to get a second season. Sometimes you can even think that when you see the trailer for a show. Yeah, I hope so too. You know, the business is so wacky right now because mm-hmm. of coronavirus that nobody knows what's going on with anything. And nobody knows. You just kind of, you're like, I'm on this wave. We got to surf and we can't control the, the ocean. You know, it just, it just is going to be what it's going to be. But yeah, I hope so. I'm thrilled you guys like it. Fingers crossed. People, people are digging it. Yeah. And you sing on the show too. Yes. I do, right? That was such an awesome bonus. It was like, I got the script for the audition. I was like, oh, wait, this guy sings on this? I was like, I got to get this job. Like, I really got to get this job. Um, yeah, I love it. It was um, because of the Christian music aspects of it. It was new for me, right? I'm a nice Jewish boy from New Jersey. Um, <laughs> but I had listened to Joel Osteen a ton in yeah. traffic in LA on Sirius XM. And I was always kind of like, this guy's interesting. You know, he's a really good speaker. He's a really good speech writer. Um, I'm going to like, I would love to play him someday. He tells all these interesting stories about his father and how they got the church started and all this stuff. And I just, I don't know. And then you put that out there and then, you know, a year later or whatever, there's a script in front of me that says, you know, this like sexy Jill Osteen. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, wait, what? And he sings. I got to get that. You manifested it. Yeah. That's so yeah. cool. Um, Connor, before you ask the question, I do have one more question about Filthy Rich for you, Aaron. You knew I was about to ask the question. I know. I, well, you took a breath and I was like, oh, <laughs> I know you're my twin. Um, when, looking back on those couple of months in New Orleans, what do you, what do you look back most fondly upon? The cast. I mean, I mean, and the crew, the people were just so, so great, you know, like, and to, you know, just focus on the cast. I mean, big cast and no bad apples. I mean, everybody liked each other. Such a range of different experiences for some people. It was their first thing. And for some people like, you know, Steve Harris, he's, you know, he's a legend and and such a pro. And so just getting to hang with people at all different levels, all sort of throwing themselves into this, wild show to make it the best that it can be and then we all we all like really liked each other and hung out and um that was really nice because you know you're you ne- you're you're in a cast and it's it's hard you're spending a lot of time with people and if people don't like each other it's just not as fun so mm-hmm. that was the best part for me was you know obviously like doing the show is amazing but outside of that the people were spectacular Oh, I love to hear that. I love it. Yeah, and it shows. It shows that there was a great chemistry among everyone, too. So congrats on that. We love it. Cool. Yeah, thanks, guys. Keep watching, right? Oh, yeah. oh absolutely. All right, Aaron, now we ask this question to all of our guests, but we're very curious about your ring of keys moment as it pertains to a life in the arts. Maybe that production you first saw as a kid, a musical artist you were obsessed with, maybe a book series. It could be anything. Do you feel like you have a ring of keys moment? I definitely do. I feel like um, with the movies, it's seeing E.T. with my mom when I was five. Um, I just, 
I have such specific, even sense memories of like, this is the first movie I'm going to. It's just me and my mom, which I don't know that that ever happened again in my life. Like I can't remember going to the movies with my mom again. Um, mm. I remember crying like a, yeah, I mean, I was five, but crying like a five-year-old. Um, but my mom was crying. I remember, you know, sitting in the front seat of whatever car on the way home with basically no seatbelts kind of thing. Like, I just remember yeah. being blown away by what that was. And I can't, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say, but I, I don't know what the first Broadway show is that I saw. Um, so that moment with mom was pretty special for me. Um, but I do remember the musical that, turned my like took my life into a totally different direction which was I was um as a junior in high school I was asked to be a part of the New Jersey Governor School for the Arts where you know there's Governor School for Public Policy there's all different governor schools but they for the arts they take kids from around the state in different artistic disciplines uh and I was there for vocal music I was in choirs and stuff at the time and I had started doing the school musical but it was just for fun I had you know, I wasn't dreaming of being an actor or anything. And I, my roommate, they take high school juniors and you go to, uh, in this case, it was Trenton State College. Okay. And so you're, you get to like live on a college campus for two weeks over the summer between your junior and senior year, which is really cool. And cause you're like, this gives me a taste of what college is going to be. And there's kids from all over the state. And my roommate was an actor, uh, a guy named Alan Ostroff, who I'm friends with to this day. And I, he was like a real actor, like an actor, actor. Like I didn't know what actors were. And he was watching the VHS of Sweeney Todd with George Hearn and Angela Lansbury on loop. Like if the kid was in our dorm room, he was watching, he was watching that. And I was just kind of like, I kind of was just like one day I was like, okay, enough already. Like, what is this thing? And you know, in my memory of it, it was very dramatic. And he was like, Oh, sit down. <laughs> you, you're, you're about, your, your mind is about to be blown. And he wasn't kidding. And like, I sat down and watched that and I've never, I've become, I, w I became obsessed with Sweeney Todd from that moment on like George Hearn and Angela in that show, but everybody in that show, in that production, it was like mind blowing. Like I can't even communicate it through the podcast airwaves. How, if you haven't seen it, go watch that. Like, and I then had this career where I, you know, unbeknownst to me, I, I love that thing so much. I got to work with, like, meet and work with almost everybody in that cast. Like, I got my equity card with Ed Lindeck, who created the role of Judge Turpin, who oh, wow. was just literally the creepiest dude in musical theater history. <laughs> and then I'm, like, you know, 19 in Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh Civic Light Opera, you know, doing supporting roles in musicals where Ed's like the lead and stuff and we're going to Wendy's and I'm like talking to him about, you know, life and show business while we sip our Frosties, you know, like it was. <laughs> and then I, I even, I took a job. There was like an early reading of the visit to, that they were going to do as the musical, the candor and Ebb one yeah. back when, back when like Anne Ryan King was involved or whatever. And George Hearn was in it at the time. And they called him and were like, will you do an early reading of this? And the part wasn't very big. You know, they were developing this thing. And I was like, George Hearn's in it. I'll do anything. I don't care. And I like went to the reading and basically told George this story. And he started to cry and gave me a hug and was basically like, thank you for sharing that because that's what it's all about. And so wow, 
I can't, uh, I can't like nerd out enough over Sweeney Todd. There's even, there's one more. Do we have time for another Sweeney Todd story? Keep, very oh yeah, quickly. keep going. We love this. We love this. So I, I want that original show poster, but like the three sheet, the one that's like, you know, six and a half feet tall by yes. three and a half feet, four feet wide. Like I, 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 I wanted that. And I started doing voiceovers and this voiceover studio in Manhattan had it on the wall. Like right when you get off the elevator and walk into this office, it was like, boom, the first thing you see in this amazing gold frame, like signed by George and Angela. Um, and I kept seeing and I kept seeing, and I just went, you know what? I'm just going to like, I, I was like, is the owner here? You know? And the secretary was like, yeah, what do you need? I was like, I just want to talk to him about this, this poster. And she's like, okay. So he comes out and he had all this memorabilia on the walls, like original star Wars stuff. Like this guy was obviously a legitimate collector. Yeah. And I was like, Hey man, I was like, this is going to sound crazy, but I am obsessed with the original production of Sweeney Todd. I could go on about it, but long story short, what's it going to take to take this poster off your hands? Like what's going to, and, and this guy says to me, he goes, and he was, he was a, a, a you know, studio owner, probably in his like early sixties had obviously been collecting since like the seventies. Like he's, he's doing his homework. He oh, goes, yeah. he goes, honestly, I would make a deal with you for anything else in my studio except that you cannot have that. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, he's like in 1970, whatever, whatever, like 78. He's like, I was like a young stage manager or something. And I was obsessed with the show. And this, this poster was hanging from the ceiling of what is now juniors, you know, oh, in Schubert yeah. alley. Oh yeah. yeah. There was a restaurant there. I don't know what it was. It was, it was famous touristy Schubert alley restaurant. And this was hanging from the ceiling and he goes, I was so obsessed that my buddy and I dressed up as workmen in overalls, brought in a ladder, stole it from the ceiling of this restaurant and I've had it ever since. And I was like, what? That's you, can't, crazy. you can't, you can't get it. Um, <laughs> so I'm not alone in my nerdness for this production. And I should wrap everything up by saying that getting to do the, revival of night music with Angela mm -hmm. is there and work with Sondheim and like, yeah. like, like icing on the cake. So I started writing Sondheim letters after watching that in high school and was like, you know, cause you, he writes everybody back. He and writes so everyone I was, back. Yeah. I was pen pals with Sondheim and then Angela became a dear friend, uh, you know, at night music and, you know, we're in touch to this day. Like, it's just surreal. Like, absolutely surreal. That, that is, is amazing. I have so, so many things beautiful. I want to yeah. comment on. But Aaron, first, your friend Alan, he's actually here today. We brought him as a special guest <laughs> to hear this story. I'm just kidding. But, you know, they say don't meet your heroes. But in your case, what an amazing, you know, career-spanning journey that you've had with that original cast of Sweeney Todd. You've gotten the chance to work with them. And it's been such a positive, you know moment that has followed you for all these years i think that's beautiful oh it's so envious i'm envious of that that's so cool yeah thanks i mean my my they i i don't think i've heard that don't meet your heroes why do they say because they're they're never going to live up to your i think yeah people say that yeah <laughs> well, mine in this case they do i mean and, and you know 
whether it's George or, I mean, Angela Lansbury could not be a more glorious, classy, legendary example of how to be at that level of success in show business. Cause we've seen, we've seen all kinds of bad behavior. Um, oh yeah. And, and Angela is like all the way down to like, she does not miss a show like that, mm. that old school theater gypsy, like yep. you do not miss a show. Um, yeah. She's a national treasure. Yeah. Truly. That, that production of a little night music. I don't mean to like age myself down here, but this summer I was getting my driver's license. I got that. Um, cast, it was like this. I think it was the summer. The show was, you know, yeah, it playing was. Broadway. I got that cast album from the library and I, you know, burned it to a CD and <laughs> would, would, when I was learning to drive, would listen to it top to bottom over and over and over again was mm-hmm. obsessed. And of course you were amazing. I mean, I never got to see the show, but truly I mean, everyone in it was just so fantastic. I wish I would have been able to see Bernadette Peters in it. We were in New York, I think like closing weekend mm-hmm. that January, maybe it was a January, I think. Um, and we like had the choice to see that or just like not see a show and go home early or something. It was like a stupid, we should have stayed to see the show because um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm confusing it. I'm confusing it with the closing of Follies. Oh yes. That Follies revival. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking yeah. of. I don't know when that little night music closed, but anyway, I loved it. I would listen to you while I drove around. So fond memories there, Aaron, you and me in the car. Oh, weekend in the country. <laughs> and here we are. Here we are now. Right. Like how, <laughs> How does life work? It's so cool. So cool. So cool. Now, that show was interesting because there was that, you guys closed down to retool after uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones and Angela left and Bernadette, and was it Elaine Stritch went in? Stritchy, yeah. Stritch, yeah. Uh, may she rest in peace. Did they close yeah. down? I, did we? It like, went I down for like a week or something like that. I remember reading that there needed to be like a new tech or something like that. I could be totally wrong. No, you also can be totally right. I mean, I, I remember rehe- I remember rehearsing Elaine um, because how could you not remember rehearsing oh, yeah. Elaine Stritch um, and Bernadette? And I remember doing the show with them, but I, I don't remember. Whereas like with Mamma Mia, I remember moving it. I was with the show when we moved from the Winter Garden to the Broadhurst. Broadhurst, yeah. Uh, and there was a whole, I mean, they had to, take a sound package designed for a 2000 seat winter garden theater and put it in a, you know, thousand seat Broadhurst small, like, Ugh. like I remember like the first preview, like people, like it was, it was literally as if the sound blew you out of your, <laughs> like, they were like, Oh, we got to tool that down a little bit guys. Um, were you Sam in Mamma Mia? I was Sam. Yeah. I can see it so clearly. <laughs> Yes, yes, you can. And you can see the cod piece as well. Uh-huh, right. Was that like the finale? Everyone wear like the spandex outfits? The spandex and... go-go boots, cod pieces, and chest hair. It was, it was a thing. That's I hilarious. love Mamma Mia. It never should have closed. Well, how long did it run? It ran forever. It ran for yeah, a really it was long, long time. Who was your Donna? Judy McLean. Oh, wow. And then was there another Donna? Did I start with... No, we started with, yeah, it was when Judy, Judy had been with the show for a long time yeah. as, Tan, as Tanya mm-hmm. got uh, switched to Donna and it was like this big deal. Uh, um, I remember reading about that. Yeah, it was fun, man. We had a good time. 
Aaron, you've done so many things and we've mm-hmm. literally never done this with a guest before, but we want to play like a little, a game where we, I'll list a credit you were in. And I want you to tell me like the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear it. Does <laughs> that sound fun? Okay. <laughs> Here's where the editing might come into play, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the producers cut us off. Like, <laughs> well, we already talked about a little night music, but I want to jump back to Phantom of the Opera. Um, first Broadway show, and just, I mean, the the dream of that's like the closest musical to doing a movie. With, if I mean the technical production of that with the trap doors and the candelabras and the smoke and the pit and jumping off the thing as Raul and landing on a crash pad under the deck and getting soaked with water and it's romantic period piece. Like it's, (laughs) it's just like the most, it, I don't know what the word for that is, but it's like, it's true. It was just spectacular. I love it. What about Oklahoma? Um, this close to being the first Jew to ever play Curly, like so close, <laughs> like we made it, we made it so close. Because uh, I understood, I came in, you know, Patrick Wilson mm-hmm. was leaving to go do Angels in America, and his understudy, HBO version, HBO version, yeah. and his understudy, a guy named Steve Buntrock, who's a great guy, and we we ended up doing a couple more shows together. Um, was gonna fill in for Patrick, and then I got cast as as Steve's replacement. So first understudy. And so I'm in all these understudy rehearsals. Um, and Steve's about to take a vacation. I'm going to go on. And then the show closes. Cause it, <laughs> it, it, you know, <sighs> it was a three hour show, but um, yeah. <laughs> we were so close. We were so, so close. So close. All right. The good wife slash the good fight. Um. I want to just say, like, like as as good as television gets, you know, when at that point in my career it was a lot of like guest star work, and those are hard because you show up to a set and everybody on that show is in this world, and you're new to the world, but you have to show up and you know. Um, you you have to just slip right in. Like you, you can't, you don't want to screw up their good thing is, is kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, and they're also great. So, um, you know, getting to meet the creators of the show and talk to them about stuff and, and then just be a part of that iconic, particularly with the good, the good wife that started it all. Um, yeah. And that was that the was, big episode. That was the one when, Oh, right. Yeah. When he, but you weren't in it. I don't know if you were in scenes with Will. No, I don't remember. It was right out. It was right when uh, they found out that his, that he'd been killed. Yeah. God, that was crazy. I love the good wife. I think it was, you know, many call it the last great legal procedural on television. Yeah. I would agree with that. And the good fight. I mean, I talk about elevating the concept for a streaming platform in a way that's, modern and bingeable in a way but it's meta i love the good fight oh my god and christine baranski audrey mcdonald come on it's great <laughs> yeah i haven't watched enough of the good fight yeah okay um, lay miss 
Well, first revival and, and I thought the chance to do that show had sort of passed me by. So it was yeah. a, a really awesome surprise. And then it was a sort of pared down version of Les Mis, kind of like the, the night music revival. I guess it was a time for that in New York where yeah. Broadway revivals were all about sort of like paring things down and making things more intimate. Um, but the John Doyle method, right? <laughs> Yeah, kind of. I mean, thankfully, we weren't asked to play instruments. That would have been insane. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, just that the fight on that barricade and, you know, the smoke and that glorious death scene that Andre Ross has, mm-hmm. getting an award nomination for it. I mean, it was cool. It was, it was a good oh, time. Yeah. I remember watching the backstage tour you gave of the Broadhurst and like Norm Lewis is in it. And yeah, Gary, yeah, so Beach fun. And Gary Beach, God rest his soul, you know? Yep. Wow. So many good, such a good cast. All right. Next up Avengers infinity war and end game. Uh, just, just wild, man. Just like what was supposed to be a couple days turned into like, a couple months and what was supposed to be a very uh, unpublicized me kind of, you know, sneaking in there to help them out a little bit with some things that needed to, to, to get shot became a very publicized, Mm -hmm. uh, hilarious, (laughs) like whatever. I mean, but I got to wear that costume (laughs) (laughs) and you know essentially play a superhero which is just awesome um and it was fun i mean to work on the biggest movies that have ever been made Mm -hmm. just to to get a taste of movies at that level of 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 money like Mm -hmm. that that big and that expensive is is awesome it was a it was a very cool experience that's so cool yeah, i remember when when the news came out that because everyone thought you were replacing benedict cumberbatch and it was i was shocked though that the news even came out because marvel is the tightest leak free ship ever it's but i'm a, as a broadway fan i was delighted i was like oh this is cool <laughs> yeah i was terrified actually when it when it came out i remember some friend of mine sent was on the subway and sent me a picture of the post or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh God, no, 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 no. And I call, I called my agent and I was like, what's going on? Like, I don't, I, I, am I going to get fired because of this? Like who did this and what, and I I don't, I still don't understand how that happened. Um, but thankfully Marvel was cool. Uh, I kind of am like somebody from inside, you know, must have wanted that to become news. Like, I don't, I don't get yeah. it. I, I didn't yeah. have a P I didn't have a PR team at the time. Like, there's no way I was just kind of like, Oh my God, this cool job uh, might go away. If, if this is like some crazy situation, but yeah. it ended up being fine. And you're right. Marvel security is unbelievable. Like I was like on set, you know, and it shoots um, in Atlanta and right. all the sets of like Spider-Man and Guardians, like all the stuff is there in these giant <laughs> sound stages. And so like, you know, when you're not shooting, walking around, checking stuff out. <laughs> and I'm like, I find myself like 
on the Guardian spaceship and the sets are unreal. Like if you were like, you know, what are they doing Star Trek when they just beam you somewhere? Like mm-hmm. if you were be- if you were beamed onto the one of these sets, like you wouldn't know it was a set. You'd be like, holy shit, I'm in this, I'm in the spaceship, yeah. right? Ah. So I'm kind of like sneaking out my cell phone and I'm about to take a picture and then I hear like, hank, 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 hank. And I look and there's like, the Marvel security guy in his golf cart who like drives around all the time, making sure that nobody takes pictures of anything. And he just like gives me the finger wag. Oh, like, and I'm like, come on, man, I'm just going to show my kids. Like I'm yeah. not posting it on Twitter. Um, <laughs> That's cool. But uh, yeah, they're, they're super, super oh, wow. tight. With security. That'd be like my dream of being on like the millennium Falcon one day, you know, it's right. like, it's, I mean, that guardianship is iconic as well, but wow. Have, how cool. Have your kids seen, Either a film? My kids have seen both. Um, and they'll, the funny thing is, you know, I mean, what, they're, they're eight and 10. And their friends, will, they'll be hanging out with their friends. But if I'm like meeting a new friend of theirs or something, which obviously doesn't happen anymore <laughs> because no one's yeah. in school. Um, they have like three friends they're allowed to breathe. Yeah. Um, but uh when I used to be like picking them up from school and they'd be like, dad, meet this friend. And they'd be like, my dad's Dr. Strange. And then I'd be like, yeah, no, I'm not, but nice to meet you. And how are you? And it's You're like, I'm the back of him in this scene. Like- <laughs> <laughs> Those are my hands. Maybe we're not sure. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Amazing. Um, what about um, the last ship? Well, just working with Sting. I mean, I, I mean, the coolest thing was getting cast in this thing and you, in rehearsal and Sting's like, um, Sting comes over one day, we're sitting in a music rehearsal and he just sort of like whispers like, Aaron, I've written a new song for you. Would you like to hear it? And I was like, yes, I would. And he <laughs> picks up a guitar and like takes me into a, a small rehearsal room with our music director Rob Mathis and Rob gets on the piano and Sting gets on the guitar and just sings me the song that Arthur's going to sing in the show. And I just was like both trying to pay attention and both like pinching myself, like yeah. Sting singing me a song. What is <laughs> happening right now? Um, so it was cool. It was very, it was, it was very, very cool. Um, yeah, man. I mean, if I think about it, like in a crazy, crazy world, I just somehow my career on stage and screen is just intersected with like all of these amazing, amazing artists. Um, it's been very cool. That's awesome. Uh, what about, it. and this is the last one I'll ask you about, but company. You know, just like, I mean, two weeks, you have two weeks to do company which is such a hard score, like hard. Like I'm music major in college and like a really good, like, like I have very good musicianship skills and, and it's still hard for me, let alone people who like, you know, can't necessarily even read music and we bring all these amazing people in and we have two weeks and everybody <laughs> oh, crushes yeah. it. Like crushes it. And Neil is like, flying in from LA or whatever, where he's been having to like get rehearsal footage and choreography footage via cell phone videos 
because, you know, scheduling is so crazy and Neil shows up and crushes it. And it's funny because I've talked to Neil about this since and he's like, oh my God, dude, I, I'm glad you think so because I was terrified <laughs> and I, you know, I was, I was cramming and all this stuff, but he was so cool. I mean, he kept it so cool, which, which you need because Bobby is mm-hmm. the leader of that ship. Lonnie Price is amazing. Patty's amazing. And then that dressing room, I was in a dressing room with Stephen Colbert, Jim Legends. Wall, and Craig Bierko, <laughs> who are literally three of the funniest human beings on the planet. And so showing up to work was th- like, I knew I would get my laughs in that, that day for like the next <laughs> year, just in, that, just in that day. Like those guys are like pee your pants funny oh, just yeah. all the time. Um, so it was an amazing experience because it was, we, we, we knocked it out of the park, I think like creatively as a production, which, which was, um, an accomplishment in those two weeks. It was very successful. And then it was also just as fun off stage as it was on. I love that. That's so cool. We have the DVD. Yeah, we have the DVD. (laughs) Nice. When people watch DVDs. You know, I still buy them. Well, or a Blu-ray when it's something I really love. Um, I don't know. I just like having it. You know what I mean? Because anything could be pulled off streaming or, you know, you could lose Wi-Fi. But I like the idea of having, maybe I'm a collector. Maybe I'm that guy from that recording <laughs> stu- studio in, in Manhattan. But I don't know. I just like the idea of it being there if I need it. It's like having a good book that you love. I don't know. No, books, I'm like that with books. I'm not a big, like, let me read this on my phone. Like, because by the time you want to sit down and read something, I've been on a screen enough. Um, But I wonder if Uh music and movies and stuff will will ever come back. You know, the days of, like, going to Tower Records and you guys are are probably too young, but going to Tower Records and just throwing on headphones and listening to stuff and buying CDs and albums. I mean... I, I hope that comes back at some point because music is so like my kids don't really know what an album is at all. Um, mm. And it's, a, it's an interesting like point with regards to this Broadway lullabies album that um, I appreciate you guys giving a shout out. Yeah. Like how can, how yeah. can I think of it in those terms? It's a good reminder. Yeah. Wait, so tell me about Broadway lullabies. Because you have some of the guests announced. Is, it, is the whole thing recorded? Yeah, we're almost done. Um, at the time that we, you know, we raised the money on Kickstarter. And at that time, we, we had recorded a couple tracks yeah. like with me and Kelly O'Hara and Corey Cott. Um, and then uh, we were able to raise the money. And so now we're almost done. Yeah, everyone's been announced. So we have like 12 amazing Broadway stars. Um, and uh, yeah, we're yeah. just reimagining Broadway's greatest hits as lullabies and and trying to put some beautiful music out into the world. Love it. Now, I haven't seen the track listing, but I've got, I'm, I have to assume Not While I'm Around is on there, right? Your Sweeney love coming full circle? I will break the news to you guys first that Patina Miller will be singing Not While I'm Around, oh. which is just going to be oh awesome. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, yeah, it's like that, right? It's like one track after the next is just like, oh, that's going to be such a beautiful... Yeah. And all of our artists on the album are parents because we wanted volume one to just really speak to the mm-hmm. kids. Um, and so it's just, it's, it's been so fun. You know, I'm, I'm producing it with Travis Howard who did the music for Filthy Rich. Um, 
And our arranger oh, nice. is uh, my buddy from Evan Hansen, our music director from Evan Hansen, Austin Cook, who's just like in a past life has, was a unbelievable concert pianist, like classical concert pianist. And so we have these stunningly wow. beautiful piano arrangements, like reinventing these songs. And I'm really excited about it. And I'm really grateful to the artists for everybody just believing in this and feeling how special it is. And it all started because my kids were freaking out. Like it was pandemic pandemonium. And, you know, you run mm -hmm. out of the things that help your kids go to sleep. It's like, how oh, do we got to read that book again? Or I'm going to sing them this song again. And, um, <laughs> did you get them the headspace app? We've done headspace. We've done calm. Um, love it. There's great stuff out oh, yeah, there, calm. but I thought there's nothing out there like this, you know, calm has like, I'm Matthew McConaughey and I'm going to read you a story. And it's like, okay, Matthew, uh, where's, where's my, that was, really, that was where's good. My Broadway? That was good. Give me some Broadway. <laughs> I think calm has Harry styles too. Yeah. Calm's got all kinds of great people, you know, that's so fun. Well, Aaron, this is, it's a phenomenal project and I know that I don't have any children yet, but I know that I'll play it for our new puppy Gigi. To calm Dylan, her down. That's great. You guys, Gigi, what kind of puppy is Gigi? So she's an Australian Shepherd mix, and we think there might be some Beagle in there too. Uh, she sounds so cute. She's adorable. She's yeah. cute. She's also she's a really good dog too. She just she's teething, and she chews everything. But she mostly uh -huh. loves chewing toes and ankles, which is the and, worst. Yeah. Oh my god, it's. <laughs> I've never had a puppy, so I, it's all new to me. I, f I do feel like a new parent. Dylan kept joking that he was Jenna from Waitress, and he, was, he would be like holding the baby and being like, dear baby, you're going to have a really nice life. My, you know, it's like that moment when all of a sudden her life changes. When we left the, uh, the shelter, I had her in my arms, and I said, we're going to be really happy, baby, not just happy enough, which is a line from Waitress. Um, Wait, I'm shocked that you were never Dr. Pometer, but I guess that's another, that's another story for another I know, day. I know, I, I wasn't. I think, I think a couple times auditions came up for it, but I, I think I was doing something else. And I'm sad to say I've never seen Waitress, and so many of my friends have been in it. Um, and obviously I saw Jesse oh, yeah. crush it at the Tony Awards performance. But um, mm -hmm. puppies are, I've never had a puppy either. Congratulations, you guys. My kids want a puppy so badly, so I'm doing research. Thank you. So. Uh, I'll have to check back in with you mm -hmm. guys in like a month and be like, you guys still loving this yeah. puppy or has your house been destroyed? Um, <laughs> right? You should, uh, you should ask Bernadette Peters, your pal, because she does the Broadway Barks thing. Yeah. If I was in New York, I would literally just ask Bernadette to help me get a puppy. But out here in LA, I have to find, <laughs> I have to find Bernadette's like equivalent in Los Angeles. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we are wrapping up and we like to end on something we call a dose of drama, which could be something on your mind. Maybe it's a piece of content you've been consuming, music you're loving, a book you're reading, world news, Trump having coronavirus. It could be any of those, you know, vague. Wait, Trump has coronavirus? Yeah. Y yes. I'm just kidding. Okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, well, I know you're West. <laughs> Listen, Aaron, I know you're West Coast. So I was like, maybe yeah, you just yeah, went yeah. out of bed and didn't check. <laughs> Apple News or whatever. Um, anyway, does anybody have a dose of drama? I, I definitely do. I'll kick it off first. Yeah. Um, I am... I, okay, so I just finished binge-watching The Morning Show on Apple TV+. And it came out like a year ago, and everybody told me it was like 
bad, but still entertaining or like wasn't as good as they wanted to be, et cetera, et cetera. I actually really liked it. And I, I'm mad that I let everybody telling me it was bad or I shouldn't check it out kind of into my brain because I waited so long to watch it. And I thought it was really enjoyable. And yes, it was crazy. Was it, the, was it a prestige drama that I expected it to be or hoped it would be? No, but it was really entertaining, very interesting. The acting was good, although my mother thought Jennifer Aniston was terrible. And she never has was, opinions like that? She, ne- she never cares. She thinks everyone's like amazing. But she was like, I don't think I'm buying it. <laughs> I was shocked. Um, but anyway, I thought it was actually really interesting. And the topic of, you know, misconduct and assault in the workplace is so important. And I've never seen it addressed as a truly like a, like a plot to an entire TV show. And it had me thinking about my experiences in the workplace as a man. And I don't know, it, I have not been able to stop thinking about it. And I think everyone, if they have a free one week free trial to Apple TV plus, or, you know, want to pay $5, they can watch it. I think it's really interesting and really worth it. So that's my dose of drama. Dylan or Aaron, either of you have any, uh, yeah. any drama on your heart? Yes, I will say that the, my drama is very quick and it's that people were very critical of the name Gigi. And here's what I'll say, I don't care. And when I have children one day, I won't care, but I do need to start securing their social media handles now so that someone doesn't take their name and they'll be able to have a Twitter and an Instagram. Oh my God. Wait, wait why, why are they critical of the name? That doesn't, why? Oh, she doesn't look like a Gigi or it's like, whatever. Yeah. No, no. who has time for that? Really? I know. <laughs> when you named your kids, were people like, oh, uh, that name? I think with kids, it's the same thing of like, isn't my kid cute? And, and yeah, yeah. And then, you know, and then you see other people's kids and they're like, isn't my kid cute? And you're like, yes, they are. And you're thinking, no. Sometimes they have really big heads, you know? Well, yeah, just kid. You know, but so like, I don't know if people, you're, when you're a parent, like you're just totally <laughs> blind to like anything. You're, you, you have no objectivity or anything. It's all just sort of like, you know, my kid's the cutest <laughs> and has the best name ever, you know? Uh-huh. I love that. And that's yeah. how I feel about Gigi. As you should. As well you should. I'm sure she's <laughs> the cutest. Um, all, only thing I've been watching, guys, is, is Away on, uh, on Netflix, um, which uh, my girlfriend is very mad about because um, I was supposed to watch it with her. But then I, then I, I couldn't wait. And then I, I don't binge things. And I found myself like, you know, oh, my God, I'm, I just watched seven episodes of this in one day. Like, I haven't done that since Breaking Bad. But wow. if you want to cry every episode of a TV show, just watch away. Like, it's like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm crying again. I'm I love crying a cry. Again. I'm crying again. Like, oh my that's God. Um, Ms. Hillary Swank, right? Yeah, it's Hillary and then it's Josh, uh, you know, your, your Will from The Good Wife. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, Will Gardner. Josh, um, why can't I think of his last name? Charles. Will, Josh Charles. Yeah, yeah. It's really, it's just, it's well done. It, 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 there's some times, you know, it's about these, these astronauts on their way to Mars and the families and lives that they sort of leave behind. And um, there's, there's some moments of it where I'm like, that guy's been on a spaceship for four months and his hair still looks perfect. Like (laughs) 
<laughs> There's one of the astronauts. He's a really handsome dude, and his hair does not move and it looks exactly <laughs> the same, and it doesn't get longer. And I'm like, dude, you've been on a spaceship for four months. So like, there's little details like that where I'm like, it takes me out of it for a second. But the writing is 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 really interesting, and the acting is so good. And um, I don't know, guys, maybe I just needed to cry that day, but I'm all about it. Yeah. Well, hey. We all do sometimes. I'll, I'll add it to my list. I know. We got to give it a shot. You're the oh, second cool, person cool. who's told us it's good. So I have to give it a chance. Well, listen, this was so fun. Aaron, we have been fans for so long and getting to chat with you and see that you are truly the coolest guy ever has been, it's made my whole day. Honestly, I was nervous coming into this interview because you're so accomplished. We've been following you for so long, but I feel great. And you are just so charming and nice. Uh, you so guys, thank you. Back at you. This is so much fun. You guys are adorable. I'm thrilled that, uh, I'm thrilled that you've got Gigi now to uh, break up the, the uh, we're living at home with mom and dad until the pandemic calms down. Um, and and oh, I will thank be you. tuning in and, you know, let's all just keep, uh, keep rooting for things to get better and the theater to come back. And I know. That. I know. Absolutely. Um, everyone needs to watch Filthy Rich. Yes, please. Filthy Rich, Monday nights, 9, 8 central on Fox. Or you can watch the first three episodes on Hulu, or you can check out all of my hilarious, fun, reverend stuff on, uh, my, so- on my social media. <laughs> yeah, he's at Aaron Lazar on Twitter and at Aaron Scott Lazar on Instagram. And follow us at the Drama Podcast, me at Connor McDowell and Dylan at Dylan McDowell. This was so fun, Aaron. You're the man. You guys are awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. All right, Connor, I'll see you next time. Drama. Drama.